1: Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Siobhan. She has bipolar and lost her memory. So let's talk about it. Um, so yeah, I was, uh, before we started recording, I was saying that, um, this is going to be a really trippy conversation because, um, I mean, we've had repeat guests on the show before, um, our Wednesday episodes, our, 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 routine checkup episodes, we have routine, we have, um, you know, repeat guests every once in a while. Um, but on our Monday episodes, we've only had repeat guests, like maybe the odd time here and there. And most of the time those repeat guests are because we've spoken to people who we have back on the show, who like, you know, someone had um, breast cancer and they came on the show to talk about the breast cancer. And it was, you know, they went through remission and then all of a sudden their cancer came back like seven years later and they come back on the show to like talk about this new journey that they're on. Um, And this is uh, sort of one of those moments. We're joined by Siobhan, who, Siobhan, your episode which um, you don't remember this, and we'll get into that, but your episode came out uh, January of 2018, so uh, a few years ago. You don't remember this, uh, <laughs> your episode
1: no, five years
3: Siobhan, ago. Siobhan, uh, first of all, I'll, let, I'll put this in your hands, and, and let's like, well, I guess we'll test you to see what you do remember. <laughs> do you remember what your episode was about? And, um, and maybe you can tell the audience why you may not technically remember a lot from that conversation.
0: Yeah, so I know what I, my episode was about because I've listened to it twice in the last year. Uh, December 18th, last year, I woke up and I didn't have any memory. So I didn't, I don't, I lost my episodic memory. So the easiest way to think about that is people, places, things, and experiences. So all my knowledge of like how to do my job, how to go to the bathroom, hygiene. And like information, I had in the back of my head and I knew it. I just didn't know where I learned it and who I learned it from. Um, So in part of that uh, learning about who I used to be, I did listen to my podcast episode uh, when I first woke up. I think it was in late January, early February last year. But I did listen to it again uh, last week just to, to refresh myself before I came on to talk to you guys. Uh, so I know what it was about. Uh, very interesting to listen to my own voice. I was like, this is grading. How do people talk to me? It's painful <laughs> to listen to. I don't know how you guys edit your uh, own shows or anything I mean, like hey, that.
3: This is it's- a delight for us. So I don't know mm-hmm. what you're talking about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's uh, pretty much the the kind of
3: mm. headline. Um, so, so in 2018, we had a conversation with you um, about your experience in living with bipolar too um and i you know i actually haven't gone back and listened um but one thing that i do remember there's there's one sliver of the episode that i that i'll probably never forget because it really tickled a part of um of like there i really love horror and there was one sort of like horror type element to your story that really stuck with me and it was it was a moment where um, you were, you were, I believe you were admitted to the hospital. Maybe like form one, uh, mm-hmm. kind of like you know, you were staying at a at, at like on a psych ward. And up in the corner of your room, there was like a little blue demon devil <laughs> that was speaking to you.
2: We titled the episode that, didn't we? I think, I think we. we
3: yeah, I th- yeah, I think we. Actually, I think we did. You, you yeah. did. Was, you <laughs> did <laughs> yeah,
0: title yeah, episode. He, that's He's right. Made- yeah. He's made many of many appearances. Yeah. Uh, so now, over a year later, since I've lost my memory, uh, I have around 50 memories from my life that have come back, but they're kind of in snippets. It's like watching right. a movie. So I know logically that it is a mem- my own memory, and I was there and I had these experiences. Um, but most of my memories that came back were trauma-related memories, so that's been really fun. Oh, oh no. And uh, <laughs> the little blue devil has made... Lots of appearances in my memories. Thank he's made he made wow. three of them himself. He guys right. didn't make the cut. My old mom didn't make the cut at first. Neither did my husband. But the little blue devil he uh, he, he was there.
3: He some stuck of them. it th- Okay,
1: just, so that they're makes they're... it
0: even
3: more hor-
1: horrifying. <laughs> and, and like, oh my what God. Was like was going <laughs> between between well, I mean from that that day in 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 twenty eighteen. Um, uh, or, or when you, sorry, I'm sorry. When, when was the, when was it? that I you, lost my
0: memory on December 18th at December, 2021.
1: Oh, okay. Sorry. December 18th. Yeah. So yeah. before that date and leading up to that, was anything, was anything like out of the uh, abnormal? Was anything much different than it had been from the time, like we had spoken up mm. until that point? What was yeah, going on there?
0: So, um, about four years ago, my husband and I decided to move back to Nova Scotia uh, cause we plan on having children and my whole family's here, I have four siblings, uh, they're all married. They all have kids. So they were here. Uh, I have a good support network of friends here. So we decided let's move back to Nova Scotia. It's a good place to settle when we're transitioning to having children. I mentioned in my, uh, my past episode with you guys, having kids was a really big, big fear for me because I was scared. Mm. I was going to get sick. My husband had never seen me really sick. We moved mm. back to Nova Scotia in September. By March the following year, 2019, I had a severe manic episode. Uh, I was upgraded from a bipolar two patient to a bipolar one patient with uh, generalized anxiety disorder and severe psych- psychiatric traits. Um, and so,
1: is is bipolar? I'm I'm just the I'm remembering I I'm remembering early days of the podcast speaking with people with bipolar one and two, and I'm remembering the difference being. Something about how uh, the frequency of manic uh, of the of like a mania most, and depression is different, or for
0: most people, their manic episodes in bipolar two aren't as severe. They're usually aren't referred severe. to as hypomanic episodes, okay. and yeah. then for people with bipolar one, they have full blown manic episodes. Okay. So, uh, by March 2019, I was in full blown mania, uh, including hallucinations, alcohol abuse, um, just kind of. Out of of control, spending um, extremely high on life, um, which to me, I thought it was great. But yeah, uh, (laughs) (laughs) everyone around me was like, please, please stop. Slow down. Wait,
2: do you you remember this or has this Uh, been told to you?
0: So I remember a couple little bits and pieces. Most of it's been told to me. Uh, One of the things I've done to cope over the last kind of year of losing my memory is not everyone I know, uh, most people who are close to me, anyone who has me on social media, knows I lost my memory. Uh, but for example, I work in fundraising, so my donors don't know I lost my memory. Uh, I had to pin that together with notes and things like that. So oftentimes, when I'm speaking, it's huh. things that have been told to me, and um, that I've just kind of I will say as if I remember them. But if you dig into it, usually it's something Whoa. other people yeah. does. Have
3: told me. Does that like? I mean, to me, that sound like I I suffer from like imposter syndrome. On on a like semi regular basis, you know, I'll, I'll like be doing certain things, whether it's for work or whatever. And I go, man, I don't know, like I don't know if I'm the if I'm the guy for this. When I hear you say that, I'm like, holy fuck, I can't imagine the imposter syndrome that must be like coursing through your veins when you're like looking over the cue cards before the meeting going. Or maybe flock. the
1: exact opposite. Maybe you're like, well, like, yes, I very much am. <laughs> I <laughs> just I can't I just can't remember. Yeah, like everybody's
3: literally telling me. This got, is me. I gotta yeah. be
1: honest, I actually completely <laughs> blanked on the fact that me asking a question about the day the the leading months the it. months <laughs> leading up to the day you lost your memory i like completely blanked on the Ooh. fact that that might be the dumbest thing that i mean you 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 seem to you seem to have gathered a lot of information Ooh. which is obviously very helpful but and now I, feel, now I feel silly.
0: It's okay. Most people in my life for, forget it. Or they'll say, remember when? And they'll go on to a story. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, I don't remember when. <laughs> I don't remember that high school party where we did X and I fell asleep under a tree. Like, no, yeah, I don't right. remember when. Yeah.
2: Is, are there are there perks to not remembering some stuff like that? Or do you also just feel like, you, you know, uh, I, I, I love the book, uh, The Body Keeps the Score. And it talks about how trauma... Um, like lives in your body physically. And so, so yeah, yeah, go ahead.
0: <laughs> I would say, um, at first, it felt like there was absolutely no perks, and I do not suggest it as an overall thing to happen to anyone. Um, <laughs> but you you have to I think you have to start looking at the perks. So, for me, it was experiencing things over again that I didn't remember, seeing the ocean for the first mm. time oh my uh, God. as a thirty year old adult. Oh. A, you appreciate that shit way more. Than seeing wow. in it life It's
1: yeah. so hard yeah. to wrap your head around. I mean, it could be like if you haven't lost your memory. Yeah. I mean, I, I I experienced that that thought a lot about movies. Same.
3: Like like like, like uh, my partner doesn't hasn't watched many movies, and her and I will sit down. Like the other day, we sat down to watch. Um, I don't know. It was like uh, the Hateful Eight or something, and I was
1: like, Oh, wish I could see this for the first I just, time. I just I feel
3: like I feel so jealous that you get to experience this for the first yeah. time. But the Builder ocean. <laughs> That's the crazy. Ocean.
0: The ocean was mind blowing. I cried for like a good 40 minutes. I was just oh. like standing there. It was winter. I was just like oh. standing there, like, it's so fast. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, those that can be positive. Rewatching shows has also been, uh, has been pretty great. Things don't hold. There's a lot of things now. For example, Friends. Friends was my rewatch show. So I fall right. asleep with a TV show playing. And apparently, I'd been falling asleep with Friends playing since I was like 18 and uh, friends did not hold up well.
1: Watch it again,
0: especially if you don't have the nostalgia and you're like, Oh, they're right. so homophobic. They're yeah, so homophobic. Right. It's right. so uncomfortable. So I watched it once and was like, Oh, never again. Show. <laughs> that's so funny. Cause that's, yeah, that's like, hilarious. that's cause that's
1: why, cause it's funny when you, when you take away the nostalgia, the nostalgia of, right. it, of, 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 of you remembering you as a kid oh watching and liking that show or as a teenager, and then you take that away, it's like, nah, not not a whole lot here.
2: Okay, okay, yeah. but the so
0: office, the office held up. That's
2: my nice. new rewatch. So oh, the, the office is my fall to sleep show. <laughs> um, but uh, but I I wonder. So like that, obviously, that sounds kind of cool. Like there's this perk of going and seeing the ocean for the first time and rewatching um, like these amazing uh, shows. But but I imagine that. So like one thing, this is this will resonate with you guys. Um, one thing is that like I I don't watch a lot of movies and TV, and sometimes when Taylor and Jeremy are having conversations about shows or movies they've watched, um, I feel disconnected from as you them as like friends in that in that moment. Right. I you send
1: self, some like, movie memes just to Jeremy be,
2: because they're they're <laughs> connecting over the shared experience <laughs> of knowing and understanding what what that movie is all about. So I'm wondering, like, do you feel like is it sometimes hard being in conversations with people trying to connect mm. on those things?
0: Yeah, so it, just in general, it. Uh, I mean, that like positive outlook and looking at like the ocean or like trying pomegranate was my other like mind blowing. It's my favorite yeah. fruit. And I was like, so good, so much work, but worth it. Um, yeah. That kind of positive outlook didn't come for six to eight months after I lost my memory. At first, I was just super angry, mm. uh, and then there are things now still where it can be extremely isolating and frustrating because I feel like. My friends and family, I know they love me. I have I have amazing friends. I have amazing family. But it often feels like they don't love me. They love, we refer to my, me before December 18th last year, mm. or the year before last now that we're at December, or 2023, um, as past Siobhan. Mm. So we're like, uh, I'm like, oh, they loved past Siobhan. They had mm. 28, almost 29 years with her. They love her. They built this relationship and these memories with her. Um, but that wow. doesn't feel like me. So even the memories that I have back, don't feel like myself. Mm -hmm. Like it feels like I'm Mm -hmm. watching a movie and I can logically be like, oh, I know that that's me. I can see that that's me. I see that these photos are me. I hear the experience you're telling me. I believe you that it's me, but it doesn't feel like it's me. I feel disconnected from whoever that person was that lived those 28 years. And I Mm -hmm. feel disconnected the people in my life a little bit because I'm like, you don't, you don't even know who I am. But I also, I'm like, I don't know who I am. I'm like a, walking around like a 30-year-old with the worst imposter syndrome ever. Mm. I work at Dalhousie as a senior director of development. I know all these facts and information and strategy around fundraising. I'm like, whoever taught me this? Who did, where did I learn this? What do like, it is very, you do feel disconnected from people for sure. And there's a ton of things I don't remember. Like anything people are like, oh, this is pop culture. I'm like, I got nothing. Wow.
2: You must suck at trivia. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. not, I'm not a good person to bring on trivia.
3: <laughs> uh, I, I, I really want to get into um, like the 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 sort of the experience of coming, uh, the experience of new Siobhan waking up to the world. Um, but be, be, but before I do, because I feel like there's just so many of these like kind of sort of silly but like also really interesting surface level things that like I just I, I there's one more that I I really want to kind of ask, which is. Um, are there now? Now you went back and you watched Friends, didn't like it, although you loved it, bef- like old Schwan loved it. Mm-hmm. Were there things that, um, that like, I, f- I fucking hate carrots. I wonder if I just lost all my memory and then came back anew, if, like, I would for some reason just eat a carrot and go, wow, this is actually quite good. And were there things that you, that you like loved or liked that people went, wow, interesting. Ultravon didn't like those. (laughs) Uh,
0: There's been like some, I think like, I can't think of any offhand that I have like liked and my partner or like my friends have been like, oh, you didn't used to like that. But there's definitely been a couple, but there are things that I hate to my core fennel. And my Mm -hmm. husband didn't Mm want to tell me what I used to hate and what I liked. He just wanted to see, he was just like watching.
2: And I made chicken sense. breasts one night and
0: followed a recipe and there was fennel on it. And I didn't remember that I hated fennel and I took a bite of the chicken and he was across me watching me. He hadn't eaten yet. I took a bite of the chicken and I like spit it out and I was like, Oh, this is disgusting. He was like, did it go bad? Like, that doesn't make sense. Like what's wrong. And I was like, Kind of would taste disgusting. Like it definitely wasn't bad. And he was like, "What did you put on it?" And I was like, "Spices." And he was like, "What spices?" And I said, and I got to fennel, and he just started to laugh. He oh. was like, "Yeah, you oh, hate yeah. fennel." He was like, "I just wanted to see if you still would." And I was like, "I do." Fennel That's was. really
1: funny. That's I, I was picturing him like being across the table, just walk like. Intently, like knowing that yeah. there was fennel on it. Going, you didn't
0: well, know. Don't, don't <laughs> do you think I was it might be the it, fennel?
1: Yeah,
3: I, I, I was picturing him watching, waiting for you to eat it, and Susie as as ate it went, Ugh, he went. It's all good. I got us McDonald's.
2: Like I knew <laughs> yeah. this was coming. I knew. Yeah. But before we before we go into the like the actual story of it, there is one more thing that I want to know. But <laughs> I mean, get it out and, now. Get it and, out now. And speaking of speaking of your husband, we were talking before before we started recording um, between the three of us. About what it would be like to lose your memory and then wake up with your partner and being like, "Oh, it's this like this is the person You're the person I I was apparently in love with." Like, yeah, right. And and trying to understand like what it was that you liked about that person, if that person is the person that you liked, like, are you still even attracted to them? What was that experience? Yeah.
0: So, uh, my husband and I are separated (laughs) technically right now. We're still living in the same house. I'm living upstairs. He's living downstairs. And we're actually, um, we're trying dating again, uh, because of the fact that when I lost my memory, it took a little while. It took a few weeks for him to understand for everyone to understand um, and I'll get into what the treatment was that caused me to lose my memory um, later, I'm sure. But it took a little while for everyone to understand how completely I lost my memory. Like everyone's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you've been having memory problems for a little while. And then finally, when they got it, like my doctors basically were like, well, are you safe in your home? Like, let's go back to your routine. Your routine's so simple. But to me, I was like, this isn't my freaking routine. This isn't my freaking house. This isn't my husband. You guys are making me have a husband that I don't know. Like at first I was very scared. I didn't even tell anyone that I was like, I don't remember any of you. I waited almost a week. Um, and I was like, Whoa. this is so strange. So my husband and I are having quite a, wow. quite a challenging time right now. And for, Ooh. for me, it's because I, I'm like, I don't know you. Like, I know I've known him for a year now. He's probably the person I'm the closest to I live with. But for me, I'm like, we were together for eight years. And I was like, you're just a strange man who is in the bed I woke up in. Wow. Uh, and for him, yeah. he's like, you look like my wife. You sound like my wife. Most of your values are similar to my wife, but you're not her. And you yeah. don't have any of the memories that are like everything you build for eight years of a relationship that makes you ready for a marriage. Like,
2: yeah. I don't have any of I mean, that. It's so like, it's
0: been it's, quite challenging.
2: It's like
1: it's yeah. what sci-fi movies are made of, you know? Like yeah. it's it's um it's very it, it's sort of sci-fi meets like Truman it's, Show, like
0: the thing no. is, everyone you say, you Don't keep say movies, watching. dude. She, People she keep might not know you? what they
3: are. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. True show. <laughs> show is a wonderful movie with an actor named Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is a Canadian <laughs> com- comic <I'm> icon. Pretty- <laughs> um, and the movie came out back in like early 2000s, maybe. Um, anyway, go on.
0: You didn't suggest you didn't suggest The Vow, though, which is the movie oh. everyone suggests to me to watch,
1: uh, oh, yeah. where
0: the beautiful, what's-her-face, Rachel McAdams, loses her memory and Channing right. Tatum's her husband. And it's so romantic. She just forgets eight years and him entirely. And I was like, you have to watch that. Your life is like the vow. And I'm like, my husband does not look like Channing Tatum. I was going to say, <laughs> anybody
3: who wakes up with Channing Tatum as their husband is like, fuck yeah. <laughs> dude. I won the
0: lottery. is not-, Chan- not Channing Tatum. <laughs> and it's not romantic. Like the romanticization in yeah. there's a ton of movies where women, primarily women, lose their like their memory and heteronormative relationships and men have to like convince them to still love them and love them back. And I'm like, no one is doing that, and it's not romantic. And it's not like this is not a beautiful story where, like, mm. I want this to be filmed. So, you didn't yeah, mention hard. The Vow. So, but every yeah. person usually is like, you have to watch that. And I did. And I was like, this just makes me sad. Like, yeah, you mom. know, you know, why
3: we didn't mention The Vow because, uh, no offense to anybody out there, that movie sucks. And uh, <laughs> we don't watch movies that suck. So, you're a uh, sick boy. I actually, I've never
2: seen it too because it sucks. <laughs> Let's phone a friend.
0: Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of NSYNC, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show.
2: It's your show, girl.
0: New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough.
2: So
3: let's get down to uh, to the facts here. Let's get down to like, let, let's get to the get to the meat of like how this all came to be. So, so again, just for recap, we spoke to you, you were living with bipolar two um, and, you know, you were struggling like, like at the time that we spoke, you talked about overcoming an attempted suicide. You were talking about, you know, your family trying to come together to like intervene to, to kind of help you through your, your mental health um, crises that you have been through. Um, Now that was 2018 in 2021. Um, is when you lose your memory. But before you lost the memory, uh, what I gather is that you started to you you started to kind of like upgrade your mental health uh, issues by being bumped up to bipolar one. So a lot more mania, um, a lot more just like intense, uh, intense bipolar vibes, generalized anxiety. And also, um, what was the other word you said there? It was a
0: I had generalized anxiety disorder, bipolar one, and then I had um issues with like psych like um basically like hallucinations.
3: Psycho like psychosis type stuff. Yeah, okay. psychosis. Yeah. And so to to try to quell this problem, you started going through, is it
0: ECT? So before trying to quell the problem. Um basically the time when I was manic, my husband, my psychologist, my psychiatrist, my whole psychiatric team basically their methodology was like, they, my husband calls it a controlled burn. <laughs> so he was like, we were just like doing a controlled burn. Like we were, you were kind of like doing whatever you wanted. I was extremely erratic. I was very kind of very irresponsible with my spending and doing lots making lots of risky decisions and they kind of put rules around it to keep me safe. So I had sure. to text certain friends when I was going places, my husband was allowed to see what I was spending on, but like couldn't really stop me. Um, and they kind of just waited it out. And my manic episode lasted an extremely long time. Uh, it was almost two months until then I started kind of going into a mixed episode, mixed with depression, uh, a lot of anger, uh, a lot of threats of suicide at that time. And then I kind of just fell into extremely horrible depression uh, for almost two years. So my doctors, uh, they are are good. We have, we have some differing opinions on things, but, um, I'm one of the few people who's very lucky in this province that I do have a psychiatrist. Um, and she works out of the mood and metabolism clinic. I was part of one of her research studies into bipolar disorder and how it works with your metabolism. Uh, and that research study didn't work for me. So they basically were at wit's end. I was extremely depressed. I was suicidal Uh, They were like, we have no idea what to do for this depression. They tried to get me into uh, radio transmedic stimulation, which is when they do uh, magnetic stimulation of your brain. I was turned down um, as a bipolar patient. And then so they decided to do electroconvulsant therapy. When they do that, it's a pretty intensive medical procedure that you get on a reoccurring basis. So they talk you through it with your, your support system. You sign a bunch of medical paperwork that's saying, like, I'm willing to take on these risks. Uh, and then so three times a week from June to December, I would go to the hospital in Dartmouth, uh, they would put you put me to sleep, an anesthesiologist would be there, they'd put me to sleep, and they would basically use electroconvulsive therapy to cause seizures in my brain.
1: Whoa. Um, three times a week being put under?
0: Yeah, three
1: times Whoa. a week. Yeah. Whoa. So you
0: can't drive yourself there. Um, at the same time, they had taken me off my mood stabilizing anticonvulsant drugs that weren't working anyways, mm. because they needed to give me seizures. Uh, so at the exact same time as I started this uh, electroconvulsant therapy, I started having episodes during the day that they think were probably absentee style seizures. So just kind of zone out for about 10 seconds. During that time, I was supposed to be off work. I lasted about, uh, I think it was three and a half weeks before I was like, no, I'm going back to work. Like I need to work while I'm doing this. Uh, My doctors was like, no, you shouldn't do that. And I was like, "Ah, I'm going to anyways. So was that just coming from a place
1: of like, of like feeling like you needed to be like active I, in some way or what was I have the I memory know. I have of it? Oh, right. <laughs> Damn it.
0: The memory that I have of it. And as it's been explained to me is I was very bored at right. home, like in between this, like I was depressed, but I was bored. And I've always been able to like continue working throughout my mental health problems, which, um, I don't know how I pull it off. My husband said there'd be days where he would sit me in front of my computer. My, he would open my computer, um, with me and I would like turn on for work and when he would get home, I'd be on the couch asleep and he'd have to like wake me up to eat. And like my depression when it comes to work, I don't know. I've just always kind of work has been something that's just tethered me to reality. So my memory of it is I was doing a cross stitch that someone had gotten for me. that was supposed to say, I can't adult today. And my husband came in the door and I threw it. And I just said, I can't adult. And I threw it. and was like, I'm not, I'm doing fucking cross stitches. Like I need to go back to work. (laughs) And so I went back to work two days a week. Um, So part-time I work at Dalhousie. They were phenomenal. The human resources team there, my boss there, completely understanding allowed me to be super flexible. So I worked for two days a week. If I was too sick from the ECT, I could take the days off easily. Sometimes I'd work in the afternoons or evenings if I felt like it. Um, so that was, they, they started the ECT in late June, um, by the end of November, it was not working. I was even more depressed in my husband's words. Uh, they He asked for them to stop doing the ECT. They said they wanted to try one more round. Um, ECT therapy, if you don't know about it as in the present time, people are like, oh, it seems so barbaric, but yeah. it used to be barbaric. Like you used to be awake. They'd strap you to a chair. It was very um, traumatic experience. It's not now. It's very, very safe and extremely effective. Uh, they put you to sleep. You don't remember anything. I remember the first time I got it waking up and not knowing where it was. And a nurse came over, calmed me down. And that was, that's the only part I remember of my treatment. Mm. But my husband said like that I said, the worst part was like if the anesthesiologist was bad at the IV, like I didn't remember any of it It was just Mm. like being put to sleep, being woken up. Uh, so they started that in June by, yeah, by November, my husband was like, this isn't working. Can we please stop? She's worse than before they decided to do one more round. Uh, my ECT treatment finished on a Wednesday. I should have had treatment on a Friday, but they decided to stop it on, on the Saturday morning, December 18th is when I woke up, uh, in my bed. I had no idea who I was. I had no idea who the man lying next to me was. I did know who my dog was, oddly enough, didn't know my own name, but like, that was a very, he was on my feet and I woke up and I was like, okay, anchors here. So I must be home. And then I was like, oh, where's home? Oh my God, what's my name? And I started to like get very panicked. Whoa, whoa. Obviously. Uh, my cell phone was next to me on my nightstand. I picked up my cell phone. I uh, looked at my husband in the bed and was like, Hey, who's this guy? No sweet clue. Wow. Um, just like crept out of the room pretty quietly. Thank God for like face ID unlock on cell phones. Now. Like I'm a, I love technology now. I'm like, yes, great. You whoa. saved me. Uh, I saw cigarettes on my counter and I was like, those look great. I'm going to have one of those. Calm myself down. Walked outside, smoked a cigarette. Uh, I looked at Facebook first and my Facebook has that I'm married, has my husband on it. So, was like, okay. So the man in my bed is my husband. Got it. Like, Wait, that's wait, wait, Instagram. wait.
2: Whoa, okay. Wait. Holy shit. So so you like were you immediately Dude, Brian's about <laughs> to lose his memory? <laughs> this, this is so crazy to me because you're like you're immediately in like like detective mode and you're do you like are you consciously yeah. like I I know that I don't know any I know that I can't remember I, anything but I, I just know I need to figure this I out. I knew that I
0: must be a person. Like I was Ooh. like I must like the thing it's hard it's hard to understand because it's only your episodic memory. So only yeah like memories related to people, places, things, and experiences. So essentially anytime you felt like an emotion, but the way, the best way I had it described to you by my neurologist is imagine that like the part of your brain that holds your memories are a filing cabinet. So every time you want to access a memory, you open the drawer in the filing cabinet and you can get out a memory easily. You think back to childhood or someone reminds you of something you, your brain automatically opens, you grab that memory. Um, but in the back of the filing cabinet are all the wires that are attached that make you who you are. So they give you like your opinions and your values or the, the things that you learned like strategic estate based fundraising is like one of my specialties. I knew how to do that. Did I know where I learned that? Did I know what job I had? that? No, I had no idea. So I knew like Facebook existed, Instagram existed, all those things. Mm. And I'm like, was in this house. I knew that the dog, I knew the dog's name. So I was like, this is that I felt like an immediate attachment to my dog. I was like, okay. So I just, my brain was just like, what can you, what can you do? Like you must, there's no way you're supposed to be waking up here and not knowing who you are. Like that doesn't make logical sense. Mm -hmm. So like, let's figure it out. Um, And then I came back inside, my wallet was sitting on the counter. I opened up my wallet you're gonna, Jeremy, you're gonna love this part. I looked at my license and I was like, Syoban, Meliosa. Like, oh oh Are you name. kidding me? I'm fucking, my
3: name's <laughs> fucking Syoban?
0: And I had to Google, yeah. I was like, I had to Google how to my own name, which got me into like, i like, my parents oh. must be Irish. Yeah, <laughs> totally. totally.
3: Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm
0: like, okay. And then I just started basically <laughs> so looking okay. through um all my I started with my texts. Once I figured out that my husband was my husband, I started with my texts, text to him. So I was like, okay, Matt, go and I went to my phone, I started looking through my text messages. They seemed really friendly this is like a horrible immediate thought. My immediate thought was literally what if I have like curated a life where it looks like I'm happy and I'm safe. And my husband is actually an abusive piece of shit. Like that was my initial (sighs) like trauma response was I was terrified of my husband. And so I just like laid down on the couch and I just started going through my phone and I did not stop for days and days and days. And, uh,
3: and did any, because I, sorry to cut you off there, but, but no, I'm curious I'm- about like this process of, of like internet sleuthing your own life. Is there, because I know that you've said like up to this point, there have been a few memories that have come back and they are memories that are, that seem to be tied to trauma. Um, but in that, in that couple of days where you're just like f- fucking rifling through your history of life on, online, were there other, were there any, was there, was there anything at all that came up where you went, Oh, I kind of, I kind of remember that. Or like, Oh, I, I sort of recognize him or her. It,
0: no, it took about uh, three weeks, I think for my first memory to come back. Um, So the first three weeks I didn't have, I had nothing. I was like, all right, I got, I got nothing. Um, And you didn't mention was,
1: anything to anybody for a week. No. You said, right?
0: And then it was by the time I was ready, um, I was like, okay, I got my like, two high school best friends that are here in Halifax. I've got my sister and my husband. And I think like they're all, they all seem from our conversations that they're pretty safe and I'm pretty open with them. I've like gathered quite a bit. I'm pretty open about my bipolar experience online. Mm -hmm. So after creeping my entire Facebook, I was able to even put together or my Instagram, I was able to put together like, okay, I lost my memory. I was going through this treatment and then looking at this treatment, like this is something that can happen. Like, okay. So I, I, I did a lot of like, putting it together. And by the time mm. I was ready to tell everyone that I was like, I don't know who the fuck any of you people are. Uh, it was Christmas. And I was like, Hey, and my husband was like, okay, what time are you in your parents house to cook? And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, I remember you cooked dinner. And what I didn't know from my vantage point at this time is that during the, uh, month to six weeks prior to that, I was having memory issues with my short-term and long-term memory on and off. my treatment. So my husband just thought I was kind of even more regretful than usual. So Mm -hmm. he was just explaining to me what we do on Christmas. And I was like, okay. So I was like, I'm going to wait until after Christmas to tell anyone how bad this is. I'm just going to like go to my parents' house, I'm going to cook the Christmas dinner. And I think at the time, like I had been depressed for almost two years. My husband says, looking back on it now, like he can tell that I was that something was wrong that like week or two, but he was like, you were on your phone constantly and like disconnected from the world as someone who is depressed. Anyways, he was yeah. like, you were just, you were laying in a fetal position, doom scrolling, or you were working. So I didn't think anything of it. I just was like, leave her be like, we'll deal with this in the new year, talk to our doctors, about like what our new plan is now that we're not doing ECT. Um, and it was my sister and my husband were the first uh, two people that I told. And then my two two best friends, uh, Emily and Bethany. And it's it's all kind of a blur. But my husband said, even after I told him, he didn't really understand until a few weeks later how bad it was. Like, he was like, yeah, we know you've been having memory problems. And it wasn't until one night when we were, I was, we were kind of getting into like a, quite a heated discussion. And I was like, I don't know who you are. like, And I just got like very, I was like, you don't understand. I don't remember you you're not my husband to me. You are a stranger. This is horrible. And then he was like, you don't remember me at all. And I was like, nothing you, I have no memories of you at all. Like nothing. Um, so then we told my Hmm. doctors, um, their response was pretty lackluster. They were like, yeah, this can happen with ECT. Hmm. And I was like, no, no. I was like, you guys told us that like, yes, there could be memory loss. But the impression that was given to us before we went through this was that it would be during the time I had my ECT. So I'm like, I should have lost June to December. (laughs) I was like, I'm telling you, I don't remember my whole life. And they were basically like, yeah, it can happen. It's going to come back. Like, it'll come back within six months. Like this happens, it'll come back within six months. Um, And then I started getting some pretty severe trauma memories back first, uh, which was really nice because I was like, I know for my, I had, luckily I had on and off journaled for years. I had stuff for my Instagram. I had every message I've ever sent to my friends and family for my iCloud backup for the last seven years. So Mm. like I had a lot of, a lot of information to go on. And I was just like, this is like, I don't like, I've already dealt with these issues. Like I put those away in a nice little box and I have to relive them. And sometimes they would come back in a dream too. So I would have a dream and I had to like wake up my husband or text one of my friends and be like, Hey, did this actually happen to me? Or did I just have a nightmare?
2: Whoa! Like, so
0: that was not a a really fun activity over the last year. I've gotten a few more memories back that are, I want to say a little bit nicer. Um, and then I have some really random memories that I'm like, why do I need this memory? Like, why did you come back? Mm -hmm. Um, And when I asked my, my neurologist about the trauma memories, he basically was like, it's your brain's way of trying to protect yourself. Like your brain is, is like working so hard to get you memories back because it's like, we don't want this to happen again. So we don't want this trauma to happen to you again. So we're going to give you this trauma memory back so you can avoid it. And like, it's like, he was like, it's like, you're shaking the filing cabinet as hard as you possibly can. And every once in a while, a memory falls out. Uh, So they did a ton of tests um, EEGs, MRIs, all to try and catch me getting a memory back while I was there. Um, and they could never, they could never see them come back. So if you look at my, uh, brain scan, it looks, it looks fine. Uh, there's a little bit of, I think, slight damage from ECT, which is pretty typical, uh, but nothing different than any other ECT patient who would wake up and have their entire memory. Uh, whereas I woke up and I didn't, they said six months, um, uh, by six months, I had probably about 30 memories back and I had, was pretty obsessed with it. Like I was like going through photo yeah. albums, going through stories, like everything I could to try and get the memories back. And when I hit the six month mark and it wasn't back, I was just basically like, I can't do this. Like, I can't just be obsessed with my memory coming back. I've got to move forward.
1: When when you say 30 memories, like just because this is a, not a realm of, I have, that I have like any any knowledge about whatsoever. I mean, I, I'm assuming the number is gigantic, but like through your work in trying to get your memory back, are, are you familiar with like what an um, what the amount of memories that a human is like? I have no I, idea. I don't, around, I, think, I don't even I know think, if I have 30 memories. Like I'm sitting here going, what memories is, do I have? But uh, the, I have your like ability, <laughs>
0: Jeremy, the difference would be your ability to access them. So you right, may think right. like, okay, I can write down, can you write down 30 things in your life that have happened to you? Probably easily 30 things. And you went through like, okay, me from when I first remember, which like for most kids is probably like your first memory is around the age of four or so. Like you have that first memory. If you went chronologically, you could list things that happened to you in those times. Mm -hmm. And then there'd be parts that you remember. And then the thing with memory is. Sometimes you think something's a memory, but really it's not. You've just been told the story Mm -hmm. of what you did when you were six years old riding your bike for the first time that it seems like a memory to you. But did you actually remember that? Or did your mom just tell you how funny it was when you did X, Y, and Z? So it's very, very complex. But most people, if you tell them a story that's in like a – timeline and they haven't had drugs or alcohol during this this story that's happening so if you like say like oh when we were when we were 12 we did this do you remember we went down to the river and we built a bridge if i said classic sackful
3: shit (laughs) (laughs) cross the bridge down at the fucking river jesus christ
0: (laughs) well you gotta find a way to get to the super shore
3: that's right yeah needs to cross the the river dude you gotta get over there (laughs) i have
0: i have a memory of crossing the river Um, but, uh, so most people like, you may not think like, oh, I can list those things. You might be, if you said like when you're six list, all the things that have happened to you, that would be really hard. Mm. But if you have had a friend tell you a story you'd have the memory come back and you'd be able to be like, oh yeah, and do you remember like this kid was with us and this happened Mm -hmm. and you guys can kind of like build on it together. So no matter
3: what is said to you, no matter what you see, no matter what is like, no matter what scent you smell, it's not going to like re-kick that memory back. No, I mean, we
0: we thought it would and the thing is the most common time a memory comes back to me is when someone is telling me a story Mm. and usually the memory that comes back is not related to the story they are sharing with me.
2: (laughs) <laughs> Whoa, really?
0: So I had a memory. A friend was telling me a story about when they were younger.
2: And this was offhand.
0: It wasn't anything to do with my memory. They were just we were just having dinner and they were talking to me. They were telling me a story about um the like when they were little and they started a fire in their house by accident with their brother. And then I had a memory of me and my brother microwaving a pop tart, but in its foily package. <laughs> and the microwave being like <laughs> and like flashing and then not working anymore. And I had that little snippet memory of me and my brother come back during her story, totally unrelated. Just, but that was a memory that just came back to me.
2: Do you know um, why? Do you know why that is? Because I, I think of like um, when you're sitting around, like if I'm sitting around with my friends having a beer and someone's telling a story, it like oftentimes it will it will jog a memory in my story, and then I share my memory that's yeah. like you know somewhat related to the story they're telling, like like Jared's talking about. <laughs> going, building a bridge to get to the superstore. And I'm like, oh, I built a bridge once. And here's my story about that. Is it, do you know if it's something like that that's happening? I that think moment? it would
0: be like, the thing is it would be probably very similar to the way like, there's nothing wrong with my brain. And so in theory, <laughs> yeah. it would work the same way as someone else's. <clears throat> but the neurologist that I worked with was basically just like, there's nothing, like we cannot see anything wrong. And we, cannot make these memories come back while we're watching your brain. So we can't even see what's happening. Like if I was to have a memory come back when they're doing an EEG, they could see the pathways, but they've never, like I had one time where I did an MRI and an EEG and I walked out of the hospital and I randomly had a memory came up, come back. And I was like, God damn it. You're going to come back when I was hooked up with those millions of things <laughs> in my brain, like on my skull. No. So I'm not sure like the, the neurologist that I've worked with has basically been like,
3: Right. good luck
0: and a lot of people have been like oh that must make you super frustrated and it did at first but if you look at some um, we spoke to a lawyer about the ect treatment and the fact that it's cost me it like cost me to lose my whole memory They're basically like you signed away your life when you agreed yeah. to this treatment like there's nothing this is ironclad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they told you this was a risk that could happen the thing is i'm an extreme outlier so like why would a doctor would want to spend their time looking into why i don't have my memory when there's the doctor the neurologist i'm seeing specializes in epilepsy there's millions of people hundreds of thousands of people out there who are suffering from this disease that how is his time going to better be spent spending hours mm. looking into this one like patient in nova scotia who lost their memory or looking at like how can we help treat people with epilepsy and make their lives better so mm. i understand like it's not you, I kind of wish it was like a Grey's Anatomy, which I've also re- started to rewatch episode <laughs> yeah. where like the doctors get really excited and obsessed. and They're like, we'll never let you go into the world like this. Like, we'll help you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you, you."
2: like? like good luck. <laughs> Do you like Grey's Anatomy?
0: Uh, it's starting to get I'm at the point where it's starting to get bad. So I'm
1: a little bit disappointed. It's <laughs> great. Um I, I just I, I looked up, I was curious to, to see whether like any any publications or anything were putting like a number on how many memories you can have in your brain, Ooh, but interesting. it's not, no. it, but because, because, because memories are, infor- are actually just information that you store in your brain. They, they don't refer to, and a memory could have a lot of information or a little bit of information. They just, <laughs> just refer to it as gigabytes or, or terabytes. <clears throat> so it says that, <clears throat> excuse me, that the average adult can have about 2.5 million gigabytes of storage, 2.5 million gigs. Yeah. Which is, a, th- that's, a, a that's a lot more than a, our Google drive, about a, two, about a thousand terabytes. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, or yeah, it's 2.5 petabytes, but not really many people use the word petabytes. That's
3: 100 times the amount of storage we have on our Google Drive.
1: But, then, um, but then, this, then, a there, lot. then there's another resource here from Wired that says, over the long term, memories are encoded in neural patterns, circuits of connected neurons, and your brain's ability to knit together new patterns is limitless. So theoretically, the number of memories stored in, in those patterns is limitless as well.
2: That's, um, that's sort of how ChatGPT works. Send <laughs> right. me, right. me that link. Yeah.
3: Um, uh, Shavon, I I'm kind of uh, you know it, this is a wild this is a wild story and you're you're still in it you're still you know you're still in the thick of it, um, but I'm I'm curious about um, you know obviously the memory loss part was a huge bummer and uh, no one no one wants that, um, but was there was there. Uh, was the treatment at all successful, uh, in treating the bipolar or the, the generalized anxiety? Like once you came, once no. you came to, no. Okay.
0: So yeah, that's, people's always question. They're like, oh, but did it work? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, it did not. Sadly, it didn't, you it didn't, didn't work. forget
3: that you had, the, 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 the you had bipolar. <laughs> no, <and laughs> I didn't, uh,
0: didn't, I didn't forget. And, uh, I mean, I did forget that I had bipolar. It took me like, a little <laughs> while to figure that out, but, uh, no, it didn't. Uh, it didn't work for me. The the one thing I'm sharing my story is I've had a lot of people approach me like, oh, my doctor suggested ECT for you, for me. And now I'm never going to do it because what happened to you? Mm. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not sharing sharing this to scare people out of doing ECT treatment. Um, and that was one of the things the lawyer said to me. They were like, if you think ECT is barbaric and you want to fight this, then let's do it. It's going to cost you five years of your life, but this treatment won't be may not be given to other people like this. And I was like, no, no. like." statistically i'm an outlier like this treatment is extremely safe extremely effective there are other people who have had memory issues to it the the issue i had is i i don't really feel that i was informed enough or even that i maybe shouldn't have i shouldn't have been able to consent at the time that um, i said yes to that like i was in i would have done anything anyone told me to do to get out of my uh, state of like depression at that time and i think my, my family and friends would have um, at any time as well like at that moment they were like whatever will work ECT didn't work for me um in January this past year they had put me on uh, a year ago they put me on a new mood stabilizer which was also an anticonvulsant so what had worked for me in the past um and it has has improved i'm I'm no, no longer manic uh, I'm not depressed my we like to refer to my, me as beige like I'm like I'm just yeah. kind of existing like I'm like <laughs> like I can see. I can feel joy when like something joyful happens. Like I have two new nephews and they're all, they're both a few months old. Like I was really excited to meet them and I feel joy when I'm, when I met them and things like that. And, um, but it's not like, I know something doesn't feel right. Even though I don't know who I am. I kind of like, I'm not feeling as positive as I would have In the past, I think, Um, but I'm not feeling negative either. I just said to my psychiatrist uh, two weeks ago, I said, I can live in like the land of beige for another while. Like it's better than being suicidal and it's better than being manic. But I was like, I can't be beige my whole life. Like this is just, it's kind of like an indifference uh, in a way where that I don't, I don't like, but um, it's, it's stopped the two extremes for right now. So we're working on my meds right now. I'm on a mood stabilizer and into anxiety Uh, And I'm in my doctor's research around uh, her research is it's actually really fascinating mood and metabolism and how it affects those those who are bipolar. So she looks at uh, bipolar patients who are overweight and their homo IR level, which is what they test to people who are diabetic or pre-diabetic and how your homo IR actually affects your blood brain barrier. And her kind of hypothesis is around a healthy blood brain barrier can actually and be indicative of whether your bipolar medications will be working properly. And it may even in the future be able to reverse bipolar in its entirety. So oh, okay. really cool wow. research coming out of a, of a, yeah, a Nova Scotia researcher. Um, unfortunately, the first, the first round that she did with me before ECT um, in her research didn't work this round right now. I, as I said, I'm, I'm kind of beige, so it's a, a work in progress, but um, yeah.
1: I do want to, didn't um, work. I do want to, to uh something that like stuck out to me um, as you were speaking there um, a few minutes ago was on the it's 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 extremely common. And I noticed this just in like day to day life about talking to things about like, you know, pretty benign medical treatment that they might be going through for stuff that's like not super consequential, uh, perhaps, but uh, where people are just like really anecdotally against something because it might not have worked very well for them. Um, whereas it, that anecdotal experience may not, or not probably oftentimes does not line up with the statistical average of how something works for people. And I, I really appreciate your approach to describing that of how you said, you know, this didn't work for me. There was like X, Y, Z along the way that was probably, you know, out of place with how I ended up getting this treatment and how it worked for me, but I'm not going to, you know. I'm not going to take to try to take this treatment away from other people. It works for other people. Like I just really appreciate that that like zoomed out look at something. Yeah, the,
0: thing, the thing that was the most upsetting to me and i and I've said this to my doctors, and I'll encourage if you have any doctors who listen to this episode who are ever giving this type of treatment to their patient is there wasn't a disaster plan. So that was my issue. These doctors knew that there was potential, no matter how insignificant and tiny statistically that was, that I could lose my memory in, in its entirety. That is a possibility. There are documented cases. So why was there not a disaster plan? Yes. Uh, I'm in like a pretty uh, good like leadership Um, role right now, management role. And we always, we talk about worst case scenario. My husband's an engineer. Like they map out every risk mitigation, worst case scenario. For me, it was when I told everyone in January that I was like, I don't remember anything. Why was there not a risk? Why, Why didn't they do risk management? Why was there not a disaster plan for that? Because for me, they sent me home. They sent me home to a place where like Physically, I was safe. My husband is a wonderful man. My friends and family are wonderful. It was, it was a very I was in a safe environment. Um, but I was terrified. I was, mm-hmm. I was absolutely terrified. I didn't know who any of these people were. Mm-hmm. They kept telling me to go back to my norms and my routines because those have been so helpful <clears throat> for me in the past. And I was like, this is not my routine. I don't, you're telling me to go back to a routine that is that belongs to someone else. She created this stuff. I have no sweet clue what I'm even doing. I was reading like donor notes and all sorts of things, like trying to piece together what my job was, everything all at once, because they were like, let's just put her back in her environment. Mm. She'll be okay there. Like she's physically safe. And I was like, I don't think that emotionally and psychologically that was the best plan. I think it was also very bad for my marriage because my husband and I for almost seven months until we were like, this isn't working. And we decided to, to separate um, we were just playing house. Like we were playing pretend like it was, I wasn't, I was trying to find my memories, trying to figure out all who I was and trying to make me fit into that mold of who that past version of myself was. But I don't have any of that backup, um, that creates you like it's there. I still have the beliefs in there somehow, but to me, it just, it felt like there should have been a better plan. Are you, are
3: you trying to like create new, new, like, um, you know, new rituals and new, um, uh, you know, like, uh, what was, uh, sorry, was uh, Yes. Thank you. Routines. routines, like routines and rituals in your life to like, that, yeah, th- I the,
0: the first six months was, was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. I was, I was very, very angry. Um, I had another suicide attempt last February I was hospitalized for let out very quickly. Um, even quicker than I was the first time, which is a problem due to COVID. And my husband said, it's like, you know what to say to the doctors. Like, it's like, I'm just like this, what do I need to say to you get me out of this hospital and get me home when you go through a suicide attempt? Like, it's pretty easy. Like, are you going to harm yourself again? No. Will you get follow up -up medical care? Yes. I have a psychiatrist. Okay, great. So within 12 hours of trying to kill yourself, you're discharged from hospital. Mm. Um, So during that six month period, I was very, very angry. I'd say from January to June. And then once I hit that six month mark and my memories weren't coming back, they'd actually slowed down the ones that were coming. I just kind of was like, what do I, what do I do differently? Like, what can I do? And then from that moment, it was just like, I need to shift from being like obsessed with my past and who I was and having all that information, trying to get those memories back to being like, what can I do now that's new and what can I do? And like, what are my new routines? Who do I want to be? It's like, I feel like I'm like a teenager, but I have like the, ex- the resources of a 30 year old. I'm like, this is so confusing <laughs> and overwhelming. Like mm. it's very, that's but, interesting. It's, way um, put it. Yeah. It's yeah. very, it's, it's interesting. But uh, I think in the last six months, there's been a big, a big shift to try and be like, okay, who do I actually want to be and what were the pieces of past me that I liked and I didn't like mm. I've reconnected with so many people that have told me all about, I love hearing about like my experience and my memories with people. The The only issue is sometimes when people have an expectation for me to remember if they tell them to me, right. so that'll happen. And they'll be like, come on. And they'll keep giving me details. I'm like, you remember you. Oh. I'm like, I'm never, I'm not going to remember from you. Like mm. yelling details of our, our <laughs> yeah. relationship at me. It's not going to
2: work. What is your relationship um, with past you like?
0: She seems ridiculous to me, (laughs) (laughs) but it also Uh, really varies on the time. So the fewest (laughs) memories I have for my lifetime are during my period in Calgary, where I was relatively stable. And a lot of my memories are from my university years uh, and my high school years. And then a little bit from the right before my ECT treatment. And I have a couple from when I was in Calgary, um, There's a lot of things where I'm just like I look back on it and like I'm seeing this like movie version of myself doing something irresponsible in university. I'm like, this seems crazy from someone who like now is working full time professionally, owns two dogs, and like has a budget spreadsheet. Like Mm. that's (laughs) it. Just it really (laughs) differs. Um, But for the most part, she did a really good job making really good friends which has been like the biggest blessing. I mean, I have an amazing family that's has stood by me. <clears throat> no matter how many times past me or current me, has tried to push them away. I've been very, very fortunate in that way. But friends have been have been the most kind of exciting part for me. Mm. Um, from my friends from high school, to my friends from Montreal that live all over the world now, uh, to my friends in Alberta that I lived out there for a few years, and my friends that are back here, newly made friends in Nova Scotia. It's been very interesting to hear all of their perspectives on who I was and how I am. And most people say, like, you sound the same. You look the same, you have the same opinions. If you know me really well, there's some things that have differed. Um, but for the most part, most people are like, you seem the same mm. to me. It's that I don't feel the same. So it can be kind of awkward. People who like are, are my very good friends at the very beginning. It was kind of awkward. Cause I was like, you have this connection to me that I don't have to you. And you're yeah. telling me intimate details about your life. And I'm just sitting there being like, I don't know you though. Yeah. Like I know that I know
3: you. That's what it's like being on a podcast. A podcast host, people walking up to you, being like, "I know your whole life," and you're like, "I don't know you." Cool. Yeah. It's it's really interesting. Like
1: it's really when you were talking about the your relationship to to you before your memory loss. Like I I kind of had this thought of how I think a lot of people can can can. When you said this, the when you said the thing about having a budget spreadsheet and the thing <laughs> and like relating that to the person that did that crazy thing in university, I'm like that resonates with me a lot. Uh, I have budget spreadsheets. I did really stupid shit, and I but I and I think about that and I and I can very clearly see when I think about like one memory from like when I was 18 or 20 to you know who I feel and am now, I can see like a very stark difference in contrast. The difference being for me, obviously, is that I can see the bridge between yeah. that person and me now. Like, those are clearly two different people, but I have a bridge between those two people. Mm. Yeah, the grow, the
0: grow up is like the part I'm, I I have the least memories of. So, my time in Calgary, when I had graduated university, I was, for the most part, on the right meds. I was pretty stable. I was with my husband. Like, we had a pretty good routine. It's, it's where I decided what I wanted to do with my life as a career. All of those things <laughs> I don't remember. And I have very few memories from that time. So for me, I'm like, I jumped from like getting drunk at Sackville High School parties, falling asleep in bushes to getting drunk in Montreal parties, in lofts, in university to now I'm like, oh my God, I, people, I, you let me manage people? Like I'm in, I'm in <laughs> charge of mm-hmm. managing people, yeah. like performance at a workplace. And I go ask people for money. Like that's my. I have to go ask like executives if their job hasn't like if their company mm-hmm. wants to give money to my university. Like that's I'm like how did this happen? It is the imposter syndrome. Like as mm-hmm. you mentioned, Jeremy, it's what, a very what,
3: what What did it feel like to to? I mean, we kind of talked about this, but like I'm I'm curious about like what that experience was, was was like to go back and listen to the podcast episode that we recorded with you in Calgary. Uh, you know, at that time, and and also who did someone tell you to listen to it?
0: Yes. So at the beginning of me losing my memory, there was a lot of conversations around like, where could I find the most information about myself? So, like I said, I had random like journal scrawlings, I had random like type things. The thing is, like, I usually only kept journals when I was depressed. So that gave me like a very different lens on my life. My friend Cheyenne, actually, who lives out in Calgary, she's the one who first mentioned it to me uh, because she, I had written an article. Um, from one, for my workplace at one point, and she sent me that she said, and I'm sure Matt told you to list your podcast the podcast you were on too. And I said, no. And she said, oh, you were on one in Nova, from Nova Scotia with guys who live there. She's like, you're on two others as well. Um, for professional stuff. So she, she was the one who mentioned to me and I listened uh-huh. to it. So that was my beginning learning phase. Uh, but my initial thought was exactly what my mom, <laughs> my mom thought when she heard it was, my god, you you, swore, you you swear a lot. You you swear a lot. I was like oh my god. Uh, How really many uh, do, I was like That's funny.
1: Pass bombs for you. In a state dorm. Do,
2: yeah. you, do you think they do you swear less now?
0: No, I don't think so. I think <laughs> I'm just I think I'm probably just a little bit better at like shutting it off now yeah. as a yeah. professional that's grown up. I mean, I would
3: say we probably are the same. Like in uh, early days of the podcast, it was like fuck fucking fucking fuck. fuck, fuck. <laughs> now it's like Okay, well, it depends on who we're talking to. Yeah, Yeah, it depends on who we're talking (laughs) to. Did you say say like
2: you? I said maybe. Oh, I (laughs) was
1: like, wait, hold on. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Um, This, I feel like this is kind of a silly question, um, but I'm going to ask it anyway because it's a question that we always ask our guests. Uh, What what would you say is the biggest thing that your memory loss has taken away from you?
0: (laughs) Um, It's, I feel like it's the... It's the like safety and closeness um, of like my relationships with my, my loved ones for sure. I feel like it's, it, it took a lot away from them as well, especially for my husband. I mean, imagine if your wife didn't know who you were like he had, he had spent, um, we talked about uh, how did he get through it when I was so sick? Cause I had been worried about that before I got sick, like how was he going to handle it? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was very, very depressed. And I was very, very manic. And the thing that kept him going was that he was like, this is my wife's illness. She's going to come back. Like, this is her illness. She's going to come back. And imagine if that's what kept you holding on for
2: years, Mm -hmm. being a
0: caretaker. And then to have your wife wake up and be like, realize he's, my husband said it was over a month after I lost my memory before he realized that he was like, oh no, my wife's not coming back. Like she's gone. Mm -hmm. Like we refer to anything before that as past Siobhan. Like we don't even say, like my husband wouldn't say like, you and I have done this. He would say like, past Siobhan and I went to Ireland, Past Siobhan and I did this because it doesn't feel like me. Um, So I think that those relationships and the closeness was, is the hardest thing. Cause I'm looking across the table at people like, like my mom, I remember at the beginning, my mom, at one point, she asked like, if you don't even know me, do you love me? And my dad said, you don't want to ask that. So why'd you ask that question? And the thing is, it's like, I answer that question two months in, if I'd answered that when I went in February, the answer is like, no, I have gut instincts about people. So I kind of like, I like instantly know if I like, like them or I, there's been two people that I've seen since I lost my memory that I absolutely hate. Um, and I didn't know why I just had to say to my husband, like, I hate that person. Like I had a visceral reaction, <laughs> but it was like those closeness and the relationships that I had built um, were definitely the, the biggest loss uh, for sure.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that <clears throat> has come that has like popped up in my mind over and over again throughout this entire conversation is just like obviously, you know, we're talking about you and your experience and this is hard for you for sure. But like um, you know, I've thought about your husband and and like your family. Um and I know some of your family. Like I you know, I I we we grew up in the same town. And uh I just it's it really I can't imagine how hard that that this is, this must have been for for everybody
2: involved.
0: And they um, don't like the thing is I don't I don't know any different.
2: Yeah. Like yeah, right. I know
0: that I have those memories. I know that I've lived that life <laughs> and I can grieve like the person that I've lost. Yeah. But I've it's just it's that word, like people talk about resilience a lot. It's my least favorite word. I hate the word resilience. Um I don't like, I don't think people should people who are often described as resilient it's an accolade like that you're given like wow it's so amazing that you're so resilient but most people who are described that way is like, you didn't have another choice yeah like it's it was either i get better at trying to kill myself and actually do it or i get up and i just keep living my life like i didn't you didn't have, I didn't have a choice. So I just kept going and I didn't know any different, but for my husband, I I mean, using his, it it would be hard. It was hard for my friends. It was hard for my family, but I mean, my husband, that's your most intimate relationship person who lives with you. And I think losing your memory at any time would be extremely hard. But when the only thing that kept you going when your wife was so, so sick was that like this sick, this illness that is so engrossed in her mood and her personality. And I was horrible to him when I was manic and then when I was depressed I couldn't even be a partner like I was not there for him I couldn't I couldn't hold him up I couldn't do all the things that you're supposed to do when you're in an equal partnership Uh, and he held on because he was like this is just she's gonna get better she's gonna get better and then I woke up and I'm not even the person that he married Mm. so um I think for him it it must have been an extremely extremely challenging thing to look that it's also weird because again I look the same I sound the same most of my opinions are pretty similar, but like, I don't, it makes me uncomfortable when people think I'm the same as that person. Cause I don't remember her. So I don't feel like I'm the same. That's why we started calling her past Siobhan because mm. she doesn't feel like me to me. What would you say is
3: the biggest thing that your memory loss has given you
0: perspective? I would say uh perspective and to not take things for granted. Um, like you just, The fact that it can be like people always say when you lose someone or you've talked to people who have grieved, or people who've went through things that are traumatic, like you can lose everything in a minute. I'm like, yeah, I went to sleep and then I lost everything uh, in those 12 hours. So while I'm here right now, and I mean, I'm not sunshiny positive and going to pretend I'm like this every single second of every day. um, But for the most part, I think it's the perspective that you can lose, you can lose anything and those amazing things that you get to experience now Experience them. Um, And I'm going to go against the grain. People are like, just live in experiences and don't take a picture. Take the goddamn pictures. Mm. Take pictures. (laughs) I don't care if you post them on social media. I don't care where you put them. Take pictures. Um, Especially if you are, you have kids or in your life or anyone who's going to grow and change all those things like everything, take pictures. I'm probably the only person in the world who's been happy that Facebook came out when I was in high school. I'm like, oh my God, what a horrible, (laughs) horrible picture of us. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, thank you, Facebook, for having me put those on (laughs) the internet. I
3: I agree with that (laughs) so much. Like, you know, it's funny, as I thought about that a lot this summer because I went to a number of concerts and and music festivals. And there's a lot of people that love taking videos and pictures like at a concert, at a festival, or at some sort of event. And when it's happening, you can... Like, sometimes you'll hear people, like, just off to the side being like, put your fucking phone down. Like, why don't you just watch? Why don't you just be present? Um, and I get that. I get that idea. But mm-hmm. but honestly, if you're taking a photo of a moment, it's not like you're not present. You want to capture that moment. And it doesn't fucking matter if the moment's not actually capturable. You can't capture a, a sunrise on a fucking iPhone. It looks like shit, but that's not the point. You're not trying to, you're not trying to be a a Nat Geo photographer. You're trying to just capture a moment that you can look back on and it can give you feelings to kind of bring you back that nostalgia, like we were talking about earlier. That nostalgia is important. And so I, I agree with you there. I'm a full, full supporter of if you're at the hockey game or if you're at the movie or or sorry, not the movie. (laughs)
1: Nope. Roll
3: roll, roll it back. If you're at the movie, you take your phone and shove it up your ass. Okay. But if you're at a, you know, a concert, some sort of special event, take that photo, take it and then put it away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Take it, put it away. Exactly.
1: You you got it. You know what's interesting
2: though is um, I was uh, I had the privilege of going to (laughs) Antarctica (laughs) a couple months ago, and um, and I was I just
1: want to remember this entire movie on my phone.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was I was I was uh, I had a a camera there and I was taking lots of photos and videos and um, on this little island that we were on, um, the whole group of us were on there and there was zodiacs going back to the boat that we were on. And I was um, I wanted to be the last person to leave. And so I was there taking a, a photos of some penguins, and the walk back to the zodiac was probably, I don't know, five or six hundred meters. And I had realized that I had been using my camera a lot to take lots of photos. and I thought, I'm gonna put my camera away and make sure that the whole walk back, I'm just like really trying to take this all in. And mm-hmm. it's it's like overwhelming trying to to yeah. appreciate and taking the beauty of. Of this place, and now they arrive so, on the island, and an, a UFO lands. Okay, <laughs>
3: aliens get out. They have a whole conversation yeah. with the group, and Brian's like, "Fuck!" I made this
1: promise
2: to no, myself. Well, Fuck. I actually saw through the the clouds. I saw the ice wall for a second. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah.
1: Um, but no, but that's the funny a reference thing, to
3: what's called Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones was a, a book series that they turned into a wonderful <laughs> TV series. So, so but uh, Whoa, HBO, you, should you check it out. That? Yeah, you have to check <laughs> but, it out. But, but
2: you know what's funny is is the the irony of this story is that. Um, I walked back to the Zodiac. This like five or six hundred meters, and when I got back to the Zodiac, I realized I had been looking at my feet the entire time, because mm. like the you know the terrain mm. was like sort of rough and undulating, and I and I realized that I was actually taking in the whole place more when I was focusing on how to frame it into a picture, yeah. because I'm looking at all of the details of. Yeah. I'm like, how would that fit? And and I realized that I was probably appreciating appreciating it more. Because, I, I mean, even when I was taking the picture, I wasn't looking at the picture through the, the lens necessarily. I was looking at – I'm looking out at the environment yeah. enjoying it. So I had this, like, weird moment where I was like, you know, I I understand wanting to be present and not have a camera and take pictures and stuff at a time. But also, sometimes it is a tool to yeah. help you immerse yourself in and the environment. And now if you smack your head and you lose your memory,
3: I'll you can go that. back and look at those pictures instead of just – you it know, does a photo of your you. fucking feet.
0: It helps you piece together though. Like if you're a social media person, you have those on your phone. Mm. It helped me because it comes back to that question of like, what do people remember? Are they not? Like if I say to my husband, can you tell me the story of our relationship start to finish right from eight years? He's going to hit the highlights or not. But if I have all these pictures of things that have happened, I can be like, oh, okay. The first time I have a picture of us outside of the house is at this location. Like, where are we? What are we doing? Mm. And then he can tell us about our first date. Like it was helpful as a tool for me to be able to go through with my family and friends all of those different times and things that I've done. So yeah, I'm not saying like live behind your camera the entire time you're at yeah, something, yeah. but like just savor and capture those moments because yeah. they will be they will be gone. Um, mm-hmm. or they could be gone. Uh and so yeah, take the pictures. It's my little pivot.
3: Well, Sarah this has been <laughs> an absolute gift. Uh just really like we're so we're so, uh, we're so uh we're so sad that that you had to go through this, but we're also so happy that you were, you know, you felt uh, the need to come back on the show to share your experience because it is it's a really fascinating, eye-opening experience that I think um, is also something that like a lot of people can take something from. Um, you know, one of the things that stuck out in this conversation is is um, is recalling or 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 like rediscovering the beauty of the world. And I think, honestly, like the next time I go to look at the ocean, I'm going to think about this conversation. And I'm going to think about that feeling of like, oh, I wish I could rediscover this again. And even though I can't, even though it's not the same, I'm sure that if I try, I'll be able to get a glimmer of that appreciation for something that I think we all take very easily for granted. So thank you for sharing your experience, sharing your story, and, and giving us a little bit of insight into what you've been going through. And uh, yeah this really has been uh, a real treat.
0: Yeah, well my pleasure. Thank you guys for uh, for doing this podcast and for having me back. Really appreciate it. And uh, I'm working right now, working on my book. So whenever cool. the hell I finish that, people can read more about what I And you <laughs> keep I've us posted. We'll get you back Genius.
3: on to, to announce that shit. That's <laughs> well, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Shavon.
0: <laughs> Thanks.
3: Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy podcast is produced and co host by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy.